0: Greetings everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to Groundings podcast number six. I guess I should say Happy Gregorian New Year because I know some of you out there will have been um, celebrating from the 25th um, when the solar new year started and the days started to get longer. We're starting to get closer and closer to warmth and light for those of us that are living uh, in the global north. Um, so, uh, as usual, got a special uh, episode lined up for you today. Got to start with an apology. I've got a big apology to Pierre Christophe Gam and to all of you um, because we recorded this uh, podcast back in October 2018. So that's what now, uh, two just yeah, about two months ago, and um, for various reasons, both personal and professional. Wasn't able to get it out until now, but in a way, um, things have worked out quite well. Because in the the story that we're dealing with, dealing with the story of Thomas Sankara today, and um, a work, an artistic work by the artist Pierre Christophe Gam, entitled Sankara: The Upright Man, Um, and in a way, it's a very, um, it's a poignant way to begin a year, kind of reflecting on that story and just thinking about how um, some of the ideals that we're going to be speaking about uh, translate into our actions Um, as we're in resolution time, um, you know, what we're going to set as our intention for this year. Um, So to start at the beginning, I think the best thing to do, there's two things I'd like you to do. Um, The first thing is, if you're listening to this on your phone or your tablet or your laptop, if you could get up a browser window, new browser window, and uh, type into the address bar pierre-christophe.com. So that's p-i-e-r-r-e-christophe, so c-h-r-i-s-t-o-p-h-e.com. Um, and when you land on the home page if there should if i remember correctly there's three um, three boxes three icons and the one on the far left should correspond to um, Sankara the Upright Man, which is the work that we're going to be discussing today. So if you could kind of open that up and maybe have a little read of the context and more importantly, I think also look at the images because this podcast we recorded, we recorded it in the Africa Centre and... Um, we recorded it actually in the exhibition itself, and so we're referring to work within the in the conversation that it was going to help you a lot if you can actually see the work for yourself. Um, so that's the first thing, um, and you know, why not bookmark that as well and um, follow Pierre's work because he's done some interesting projects before, and I'm sure there's much more goodness to come. So yeah, please do that. And the second thing I'd like you to do. Um, well, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is actually listen. So, there's a, a film called The Upright Man that was um, created, it was made in 2006. And um, it was actually screened uh, as part of the exhibition program for, um, back in October at the Africa Center. And um, I'm going to just play a brief excerpt from that because I would like you to you know like to get us in the frame for uh, for those of us that don't know about thomas sankara or don't know about his life or his work just kind of a brief introduction so when we kind of because the podcast we kind of dive straight into it so just to give you a little background on that um, i'm going to play that now and come back on the other side to get straight into the podcast proper
1: upper volta 1983 Thomas Sankara is brought to power by a coup supported by one of the poorest peoples on our planet. Behind a military uniform and a Marxist discourse, Africa discovers a young and dynamic leader ready to put his innovative ideas at the service of his fellow citizens. Thomas Sankara gives a new name to his country, Burkina Faso, which means the land of upright men. Little by little, Sankara takes his country out of misery, achieves food self-sufficiency, but clashes with the French, who want to keep control over their former colonies. Above all, they want to avoid by all means that Sankara's ideas spread throughout the region. Thomas Sankara is attacked by those in the north as well as in the south, who benefit from Africa's underdevelopment. His closest collaborator, Blaise Compaoré, with the support of foreign powers, Will betray him. Killed for his ideas, Thomas Sankara has become the African Che in the eyes of African youth today.
2: For so, the great patriotic battle, for the future of our country, patrie or la mort, we will
1: win.
0: um I'm sure you'll agree if you get a chance to watch it, it's also on YouTube so if you uh, search The Upright Man on YouTube then you can watch the full full film there. Um, I'm sure you'll agree it's a powerful film um, and a powerful story. And so what I'd like to do now is get into the, the conversation proper but before I do, just a kind of brief couple of words about why we're interested in this at all because I mean DTA is very much about... Um, recovering, reclaiming, um, repurposing uh, our historical narratives as people of African heritage, both on the continent and in the diaspora, and um, very interested in any initiatives that do that in ways that, you know, a broad range of people are able to engage with, you know. Um, and one thing that really struck us about um, Pierre's work about San Carlo the Upright Man and, and other work he's done actually, um, is how um, stories of substance, there's, um, you know, there's real substance to the story that he's um, telling within the exhibition. How they can be conveyed in a way that um, can speak to a number of different audiences, and they don't sound like a lecture, or you know, for those of us who are not readers, it doesn't—it's not like reading, a, you know, a long book. It's much more immediate and much more impactful, um, and just enables a broad range of people to be inspired by the story and. I guess most importantly, and I think Pierre picked up on this within the actual uh, conversation itself, are able to take away things that are practically useful in their lives. Because I think it's one thing to hear, oh, you know, Garvey did this, or um, Asata Shakur did this, um, but it's how we can kind of implement the, the positive aspects of the kind of lessons and the legacies that these people and initiatives and projects have left and kind of implement them within our lives kind of on a day-to-day basis. you know not all of us are going to start a Black star liner or we're talking about Sankara not all of us are going to you know stage a coup and um, reshape our country. but in our own ways we're able to kind of implement aspects of those lessons within our lives. And um, yeah, so anything that helps us do that, that kind of alerts us to a story and then alerts us to how we can practically use that story to our benefit in this time, um, we're we're, we're all about, we're on board with. So that's the introduction. I'm gonna shut up now, although I say that you're gonna hear me again. from from two months ago in a second. But um, yeah, I'm gonna stop the introduction now and we're gonna get into the conversation proper. So hope you enjoy and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Okay, so greetings people, welcome to Groundings Podcast number six. I say this every time, we've got a special episode today. Um, we're actually on location in the Africa Centre and I'm sitting next to the artist Pierre-Christophe Gam, um, who's been here for the last week, I believe, mm-hmm. um, presenting his work, Sankara the Upright Man. Um, when I came to the exhibition, there was a lot, of, many things that struck me about it, both in terms of, I guess, alignment with some of the things, some of the methodology that we're working with at decolonizing the Archive and also just, um, I mean, the aesthetics and the substance of the story because we're dealing with Sankara. We don't have enough time within this podcast to explain the story of Thomas Sankara. So I suggest if you don't know who I'm talking about now, then maybe press pause, go and do some research, and then come back and pick it up because it's um it's a long and inspirational, and um, depending on your disposition, uh, possibly a tragic story as well. Um, but fortunately for us, uh, Pierre Christophe Gam has. Um, Agreed to speak to me. It's late. It's after we just had a wonderful lecture. It's a Friday night. We could be out in the club, but we're sitting down in the exhibition, um, ready to converse. So, greetings, Pierre. Good evening. Um, I should. Uh, there's a big introduction I could do. I've got it here. I'm not sure if we're going to go into all of it, but. Um, Actually, maybe it's best. Mm-hmm. I normally do this. Actually, is it okay if yeah. you tell us a little bit just about of course. your background? Because yeah, it's course. probably better coming from you. Yeah, than yeah you. of
2: course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm born and raised in France. My my dad, my father is from Cameroon. My boss, my mother is from Chad and Egypt. Uh, I'm trained as an architect, um, and and I studied in Paris and in the UK in Saint Martin. Um, and I worked uh, initially at the beginning of my career as an architect, as a retail architect for a fashion brand. Um, and then from that I moved into our direction and basically my field was very much more fashion and luxury brands uh, and I moved into our direction, event design worked for publicists I traveled I lived in Asia uh, I teach I taught uh, in Venice in Italy so i've done a host of different things around design, but always very much in the fashion and luxury sector um, and let's say over the last um, six years, 2012, um, I had this um, I can say existential questioning uh, about uh, regarding the direction that my, my life, my career was moving towards. Uh, and I felt that I needed to, uh, I was questioning about the kind of, you know, the life I would be living and as well or the way my career would evolve. Um, and I, I had this big desire to go back towards Africa. Uh, I'm born and raised in France, but as a kid, my parents were very much on the continent and. Traveled extensively Uh, so Africa was very much part of my life but as an adult with my career and my work it became more and more removed Uh, and so I decided to go back Um, and the process of me going back is the thing that led me to do this project on Thomas Sankara.
0: It's a big leap between retail architecture and branding and Thomas Sankara. So what what are the what were the, you said you had an existential yeah. kind of, what, was there anything within your previous kind mm-hmm. of role mm-hmm. that kind of woke you up to certain yeah. things or made you, how did that happen?
2: Yeah, so actually it was a uh, it was a progressive uh, transition. A few years back I was living in Thailand and when I was living in Thailand, the first thing that struck me the day when I arrived in the airport is like, uh, this looks like, this feels like Cameroon. The hair, the food, the people, um, and I had this friend from London that was studying with me at St. Martin, that is, that, is, that is a Thai from Thailand. And he had returned uh, a year before, um, and when he got back, his family was very interested. They had industries and factories, and he went back and was working with his family, and I started to hang out with him while in Thailand. And I was seeing the way him, his cousin, his friend, who all studied abroad and came back, the way they were transforming the country opening businesses and the way they were living in Thailand and they were taking sometimes things that were that you could say were from the west but they were giving it a local flavor uh, and you were living you, were, you could you see the way they were living in the country and it was clear that you know you better stay with them then and I was thinking hold on but I have a country as well I come from somewhere um, and, and, and I'm forcing and you know and, and in my at that time I always had the sense that Africa would be part of my future but I was seeing it something much much further down the line uh, and I think seeing him there made me question, and made me think, actually, you know, I should go and go back and, you know, and actually do something similar. And so this was just something I was thinking at the time I came back, I keep working in, as an art director, I kept working as an art director, and so in 2012, um, I was having a, it was a very successful time in terms of my career. Um, but at that this this idea that I had two years or few years before came back again in my mind. And I felt like, okay, now I'm entering a, a transition that if I don't do it now, you know, five years I might find myself with kids, etcetera. And this would be too late. I don't know, you know, i be in a career or director, whatever. And I you know, I won't have the same flexibility to be able to make that kind of change and that kind of transition. And I wanted to kind of the way I was seeing it is like, I felt like, you know, in order to live your life successfully, you need to design your own railway. Uh, and so that obviously you don't necessarily know the end of the journey, but at least you need to orient as much as you can the train in the direction that will fit with your value so that you're not going to find yourself doing something in later years that you will regret. Um, and so I wanted to go back in Africa and and to, to me, my way of returning, was uh, through Sankara, so I was very much studying, uh, obviously, um, you know, African leaders. I was very much, I was always been um, studying a lot politics, reading biographies, um, and and at that time there was the twenty fifth anniversary of the death of Thomas Sankara, and there was an organization that I had been following for some time in Cameroon, uh, and actually Aziz was part of it. He was collaborating with them, uh, and this, this organization. Aziz. So Aziz is a political scientist. Uh, Aziz Fall, Aziz Salmon Fall, Fall, is Senegalese and Egyptian political scientist. Uh, he teaches in, um, in Canada, um, and he's the coordinator of the global campaign for justice uh, for Thomas Sankara. Uh, and so Aziz was involved in this campaign, and I was seeing the work they were doing. And me as an art director, my work is very current and is very pop and is very is very seductive. Uh, and and I felt that and because I can tell you this will take much longer than me uh, and I felt that I should use my skills in order to come to, to, com- to complement in order to support uh, such a worthy initiative and so I got, um, I got in touch with the director of the organization, uh, and i offered my skills. and say, "Look, this is what I do, um, and I would like to help the work you guys are doing uh, and maybe help you in terms of branding, in terms of messaging, in terms of making what you guys are doing in a more impactful way. I'll come for free, I pay you know, I'll pay, pay everything, and I'll just be there with you, and I'll be working alongside you. Uh, and obviously, the guy doesn't really know the Internet, he doesn't really know my work. For him was like, yeah, sure, <laughs> okay, come along. You're in London, okay? I'd, you know, come and then we see. You know, um, and 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 so. But at the same time, I was already doing a lot of work now with Africa, but still as an art director in the fashion sector. Um, and I started organizing this event called Afropolis. Um, and and I felt and each all of this event, you had music, you had food, and you always had art exhibition alongside it. Um, and I wanted to do. And for the exhibition, I felt this would be interesting to have uh, to present a work that is connected to fashion, you know, the fabric, the cloth, the wax, Um, but then instead of having the kind of simplistic pattern that we have often on the fabric, to tell something more complex. So this would be a way for people to be educated, uh, and this would be a way to, uh, my mind my idea at that time was the idea of a sucker punch, it's like it's not something you expect but it's what you find at the end, you know. You expect initially something very simplistic, so you can read it on different levels. Initially, you can look at something cool and cute and simplistic, but the more you pay attention, the more you dig further, you realize that, hold on, this is deeper. Uh, and so I wanted to do it about Thomas Tom- Sankara. Uh, I went in, uh, and to tell you the whole story actually, I was not initially going to go to Burkina Faso um, because I was in con- contact with an organization based in Cameroon. So I thought let me go in Cameroon, let me design the print, and let me find a company in Cameroon to do the print and let me come back in Europe in time for Fashion Week so we can organize the next event and present the collection, you know. So it was pretty much a fashion branding exercise. Uh, and so
0: at this point, the um, the portrait hadn't been done yet.
2: The portrait hadn't been done. So it, was just the it was just the print. It was just the design of the print. Uh, but the print at that stage at this stage, hadn't been done yet. So now I'm considering going to be, to Cameroon, and and I mentioned it to my brother, and he, and by pure coincidence, at the same time, he is traveling to Burkina Faso, and he tells me that look, you're doing a project on Thomas Ankara, so before going to. Cameroon you should pass by Burkina Faso at least to get familiar with the place and then you continue to Cameroon and I was thinking okay, I'm gonna be in Cameroon for two weeks, three weeks and I'll get my, from there, my flight from there to go to, to Cameroon um, and it's when I arrived in Burkina Faso then that the whole project changed. I want to step back to step
0: forward, mm-hmm. um, you said you were researching mm-hmm. leaders, mm-hmm. Why particularly Sankara? And mm-hmm. also, and can also, can you remember the first time? Because I have a very I, I got it, yeah, I have a I very strong experience. Here. Yeah. Of, of memory of kind of learning about Sankara's story mm-hmm. and it's. I remember the the kind of feeling I had mm-hmm. um, when I when I kind of heard how it played out. Mm-hmm. Um, both kind of. It's like it goes up. But then there's also, you know, you hear the, the end of the story, right? mm-hmm. and then after that, there's optimism as we mm-hmm. had a long conversation before this podcast, which mm-hmm. some of which will come back, I think. But um, for you, um, why Sankara, and also, can you remember that kind of first contact with the story? Mm-hmm.
2: So the first contact I had with, with Sankara, I think, I heard about Sankara as a kid for my family. Uh, because my parents were pan Africanists and they were very much involved in the continent. Um, so this was a word that was, you know, I was four years old when he passed away. Um, but th- this was part of my consciousness, the same way, but on the same way that Patrice Lumumba was part of my consciousness, the same way that many years African leaders was part of my mind. Um, and I guess maybe I was even more at the time, more familiar with Patrice Lumumba than Sankara um And I think when, I think along the years he was coming back, Uh, But again, very much on the surface, and it's in 2008, Um, there was a documentary that was done about him, uh, The Upright Man, I think in 2006. Uh, and I stumbled upon that. I was doing some research. I was, at that time, I read the biography of, uh, of Martin Luther King, of uh, Nelson Mandela. Uh, I was studying African history. I was reading, you know, I told you earlier about uh, Antenor Firma. So I was reading all of, these, all of these books and I was doing all of this research. Um, and, and at that time, I came across uh, Thomas Anka. I came across a documentary uh, and I watched the documentary. And so this was my first official contact with Sankara uh, and the, the feeling I had at the time I remember is that I, I just had finished reading uh, the biography of Martin Luther King and I had the sense that this man, uh, Martin Luther King and him and along with even someone like Gandhi, I felt that what moved what the defining and the, and the thing that unified them, the thing that they had in common is that they were moved by faith, you know, not necessarily religious faith. But, you know, the idea of faith is to, be, to, to believe in something in spite of the fact that you haven't seen it, you know. So your level of conviction is beyond materialism. And you're, you're, you, it's like before even the thing exists in, in real life, in a material way, it already exists for you. You know, it's already there. And that faith is so strong, that belief is so strong, that you're able to inspire others, to, to, to inspire others to to make change in the life, and to move in a certain way. Um, and, uh, and so, it, I, I don't know, I had the sense that there was something spiritual. I'm quite spiritual with myself, so I felt that there was something spiritual about Sankara. Uh, and, so, um, and so, yeah, so this was something that just stayed in my mind. And so, when I, I realized, uh, because I was always doing research on Pan-Africanism, etc. Uh, and when I find out that, that it was the 25th anniversary of his death, uh, I tried to look for, you know, what was happening and I came across the organization, I realized I'm in Cameroon, I'm part Cameroonian, so I was like, great, might be an opportunity to go to, to, go to Cameroon, um, and, uh, and I get in contact.
0: Okay, and so I suppose my next question would be about process, and you've kind of, you started and got to the point where you said everything changed, so mm-hmm. you've got the, you haven't got the prints yet, but you said you haven't designed the print. I haven't the print yet, I haven't designed anything you haven't designed yet. Anything? No. So then what, um, what is the process of going from research mm-hmm. to creating this display? And it's mm-hmm. a shame people can't see it. I don't know how much of it is online because I haven't done No, it it's, online. Yeah yeah, it's it online. online. yeah, yeah. It oh, is online? Yeah, yeah. there any On my anything? website, okay.
2: chairchristaphe.com
0: Alright, cool. Mm-hmm. So people, please go and check that out. Mm-hmm. People always check it out, come back. Mm-hmm. But then going from that, um, uh, what's the word? Yeah, going from the idea to, mm-hmm. this, to like the actual work, yeah. So what
2: was the process? So the process was the first, it was a um, strategic one. So I uh, approached it as an art director. Very much, I felt that this is, the through that project, I want to I want to make him accessible mm-hmm. to an audience uh, that will not necessarily come across him. Uh, but I didn't want it to make it accessible to uh, people that are directly connected to Africa, that are already making this research. I wanted to make him appealing uh, to everyone. So, um, and actually I was looking at Sankara from the perspective of a brand, I felt that he's good looking, he's very charismatic, he has swag, he's funny, he has humor. uh, And the man, I was looking at his policy, I was like, but what this man was saying 30 years ago, 25 years ago, at the time, is very much the kind of the way our generation, even in the West, The way the kind of things we want to, you know, this is our belief, that's the way we see the world. Uh, This is the kind of world we want to live in. Uh, And so I felt that this man could be just like Che Guevara. And the way Che Guevara has been promoted and, you know, branded and made, you know, uh, and I felt like this should be the, you know, but, and I felt like there should be that same branding effort that should be done on him. So this was initially I was looking at it. Uh, And that's, and I thought, so that was my first idea. Uh, and this is why the first thing I designed was the logo. Okay, which is the stamp. The, star. Yeah. the stamp is the star. So I imagine the the, the, lo- the the flag of Burkina Faso and taking inspiration from the star of uh, Che Guevara. You know, that was the initial uh, things I made because this is where my mind was moving at that time. Um, and, and I think I been designed this. No, this I designed it when I was, I started designing when I was in Burkina Faso. Um, And and the second thing I felt is that I wanted to design something that, by using a medium. So I wanted to design it from a place that I'm using a medium that really spoke to practice and custom, African custom and practices, Uh, and in particular, you have the wax fabric. And the wax fabric, you have this this tradition of commemorative cloth, and these are cloth that are used for, as a medium, to communicate. Uh, for a specific moment, you know, for election, for, uh, you know, they're very much used as a poster to communicate uh, with the general public. Uh, and so I, I said to myself, okay, I want to do it in this way, so I can... But, you know, usually on this craft, you have a very simplistic message. You have the face of Obama, you have to say, vote for him or uh, protect yourself, you know, use a condom, you know, this kind of like simple call to action message. And here I was like, what well, would be interesting would be to create patterns that tells uh, that that illustrate a more complex story um, and so and so this was my initial intention
0: okay okay um, and then in terms of because you said you, so you got the fabric I mean do you, is that is it computer design Cause, this is computer because it's the, the write-up talks about um, print and pixels mm-hmm. and video because there's mm-hmm. quite a few mediums going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. so you design those in a computer. Mm-hmm. computer okay. and then so then how did the portrait to kind of come
2: about, what, mm-hmm. what, what,
0: where did that come in? So,
2: I, I went to Burkina Faso, I met the research. Um, obviously, before I had a sense of some of the policies that I was able to find online. But when I went to Burkina Faso, I was very likely able to meet with prominent and, you know, person from um, Thomas Sankara, you know, contemporary of the time of Thomas Sankara. So I met the Minister of Education, Valer Sommet. I met um Lyon. Was the who is still alive, um, who is the head of uh, private security, you know, the presidential security. Uh, so I met him uh, and other individuals, you know, people that are different levels. Uh, and in the course of these exchanges, they were highlighting certain policies, and some policies were coming back again, and coming back again, and coming back again. And so this helped me to identify um, to identify uh, five, you know, policies. So initially the work was very much going to be about the five pattern and the five fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the course of these exchanges, I became aware of the fact that Sankara, uh, and I, I think actually I came back to my initial impression that there was something more about this man and there was something kind of quasi-mystic about the way he led his life and the way, and, the kind of, and the way he went through the sacrifice he made You know, it means that his mind was on another level. He was not concerned by materialistic consideration because the reaction of any rational man and would be to defend himself. He did not. He went to face death. He went to, you know, and I felt that there was something particular about this man. Uh, And so I wanted to tell that. But at that time, I didn't know how. Uh, So I just paused because I felt that the project was not ready. So all of the print had been designed uh, and the ones that were not designed, they were pretty much, all of, everything was already there. Um, I think it was just maybe these two that were not completed, but everything was already finalized. I just had to, to adjust them together um, and I decided to pose on it. And so this was early 2013 and two years after, so in 2015, two years, literally two years after, um, I came across on Facebook, the model, the lookalike of Sankara and this led me back in the process of starting everything into motion and as well as well there was something that there was a project that i initiated at the beginning as well of the project with afropolis Uh, and and i had this um, you know project opportunity uh, that felt was perfect conclusion of that project Uh, and so i felt now this is done now let me go back on my initial idea and my initial project was actually the whole thing on and now that i had the model i felt I have a physical sankara, so I can tell the whole story you now, and that's how it happened.
0: Okay, and you, this kind of quasi-mystic um, mm-hmm. mysticism they talk about, is that what has been translated into the kind of, I guess, Christian iconography upstairs? Mm-hmm. that—that's—I that, mean, because this is all part of the journey, I think. But it mm-hmm. is very apparent upstairs with mm-hmm.
2: that um, I've been here as well, and yeah, sure, in here,
0: actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So why? Um, did you, did you, was it just a na- you saw it a natural alignment with mm-hmm. that kind of Jesus story, or
2: is there something? I mean, I think way? first there was the Judah, Obviously, the obvious thing is the treason of his best friend in, in you know, brother, blessed company So first there was the thing of the Judah. So That was the thing that was always coming back in every conversation. So there was that. Then I saw the way he died, and the fact that the man willingly went to face death, went to face death, to face death. So this was just mind-blowing, I was like, but this is what a religious figure will do, this is what a prophet will do, this is what the Christ will do, but this is not what a politician will do. This is not a rational move, uh, because as a politician you could, even if it was not for me, you'd be thinking, for yourself, for your own, you know, safety and integrity, you'd be thinking, but if I die, what will happen of the revolution? You know, so it means that, and the Christ, it's your mind is on a different another frequency. So that was that was the second thing that was the, that was a triggering from that element. And actually to be to keep with the whole story is that I was sitting down with um Bucarelli and we were discussing about the death and obviously he was in charge of protection of Sankara and he was telling me that Mariam, his wife was aware, everybody was aware. His wife was calling him saying, Thomas, we need to leave the country. We need to leave Wagadugu. This is happening. Everybody was fully aware that this was about to happen. And Toma and it looks for people that Toma was in denial. You know. And he used the word and he said and it was it was strange because obviously he had to to bear the aftermath of it. So the killing, the repression, uh, the exile, because he had to exile to, you know, to move to, to escape in Ghana. So he had to leave the whole aftermath and the situation in the country, with Blair's being president and the thing that Aziz was highlighting earlier, you know, the way that the whole region was destabilized, you know, et cetera. And 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 he said the toma killed himself. Tuma committed suicide. You know. Um, and as, as and and obviously, so what do you mean? and everything it was more complex, so we get into the more com- the, the, the man was on another dimension. He was looking at reality in a different way. Uh, and so, to me, I found that was a thing that was fascinating. And, and, but it was more than just, he was just going to kill himself. But when people were telling, asking him the question, but if you die, what will happen of the revolution? And he was saying the following thing, he said, people have seen now that it's possible. They've seen, they've seen that it's possible. And because they know, That's it. They cannot go back, you cannot bring them back to before, because they've seen and they know that they have the means and the tools to transform the world and to transform the reality and to create the happiness, you know, I have the quarterly above, and to create the happiness uh, that they want to live in, you know.
0: So I was about to ask you before you said that, Mm what so if, if you're talking about this kind of prophetic mm-hmm. um, statement? Mm-hmm. Then I was gonna ask, well, what was that prophecy? So is that the prophecy then, the fact that he showed, demonstrated that, that it was possible, mm-hmm. and then to stimulate people in the future mm-hmm. to then?
2: And I mean, if you think about it, when you think about the Christ, you know, historical. Like if you go in, the, we accept that he lived and he's a You know, historical you know, character. Um,
0: I'm trying not to get too into that. Actually, yeah, like no, all over the day. No, and that's and what doesn't. go. with it. Go yeah, with it I'm but, but right, I am mean, purposely not asking you about those things because we can. We yeah, but dance. I mean,
2: but if we accept that, right? If you take that hypothesis, uh, him, the man died as a very simple man. He was not a king. He was. He was. He was. He was actually killed by a referendum, uh, and and he and he died as a fiction. In you know, in any. Where well, you can look at it, it as a victim. But when you look at it, two thousand years after, they say that he was resurrected. But what' remained is the memory of him, is the is the is the is the the way he lived his life, is the example that he exemplified throughout his life. You know, uh, is the you do the same thing is like what remains is your message, and you are resurrected in other people's mind because you live through them and you inspire the way they then live their own life. You know, uh, and so and this is what Sankara was hinting at. He said. They've seen it, that's it. So, the main struggle was not military, it was not the economy, it was the mind. So, what he was hinting was the fact that the whole thing was uh, psychological warfare more than anything. Um, and, uh, and, so, and so, yeah, so I had all of that in my head and I felt this is what I have to try to tell. And the more I was, and, and obviously at that time was, I had identified more similarities, the whole similarities with Maryam, the fact that Maryam in Muslim is Mary. Uh, the fact that when he died, he was he died surrounded by 12 advisors, uh, uh, you know, and, and so I was like all of these things, and at that time as well, I was very much studying as well on Egypt history, um, and I knew the the I knew the fact that you know Christian Jesus and Virgin Mary etc. All of this comes back from the goddess Isis and Horus, uh, you know, it's the same archetype that I'll just you know translate you know transform in different civilization, at different time etc. Um, and so I knew that. And um, and I felt that they were, and I felt that in many ways, we could argue that Sankara was a prophet, you know, because he lived his life as a prophet. And 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 when he when he, when he called his country the land of the upright man, that man's level of ethic his ethic was just you know, like I mean, the, the 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 his whole family was bersu, was bearing uh, the sacrifice of the revolution. It was not just him, you know. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, so more than just the Christ, and it, to me it was very much a prophet. He lived his life as a prophet, and he used himself to open the eyes of the people around him. Because you always had this, and this saying that, you know, only the best are being killed. Africans cannot do anything uh, because, you know, they are locked, uh, you know, the, the control of the West or the former colonial power on the continent is unbreakable. Uh, and And this is it the dead the, the the game is rigged and you should just give up and just you know you know whatever you know it's like there's nothing that can be done to change it um, and that was not what the guy was saying, and you look at him and the country at the time, second poorest country in the world, and you look at the policy implemented, you look at the transformation he made in this country. Uh, so you saw that this is not about money, this is not about influence because Burkina Faso had no influence, he doesn't come from money, he comes from a very simple family, uh, but it's about. Vision. It's about the way you look at yourself and the way you project yourself into the world. So,
0: okay. Wow. In terms of, I think so. From a, from the point of view of what I do, what Mm -hmm. we do with Mm DCA, I think why we're really interested in this project is when going back to what you were saying about Mm -hmm. your kind of, uh, I guess your methodology and thinking. Okay. You talked about Sheikh our branding and Mm -hmm. thinking about the branding Mm -hmm. and how you can kind of um, bring this story to. Mm an audience that maybe mm-hmm. is not necessarily connected with mm-hmm. it straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, how successful has that been and what have you learned through that process? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so like I said, the project took a lot long time to really come to shape. Uh, so it means in the moment when I started a project and to the moment when I actually went back into doing it, my mind had I've been, I've been exposed to many different things. Um, I knew that as a designer and as an artist, I knew that uh, I'm, 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 you know, you have a certain level of confidence in your abilities to visually tell stories. Uh, so that's something I knew. Um, and, and, and I really much studied because I was looking as well in terms of the level, from a uh, place of sociology and demographic and the fact that, you know, if I do it as a very conceptual, archy, lofty message, this is only going to speak to a certain audience. And, and my thing is that I like telling stories. But I like telling stories that speak on different levels. And this is what I do in every work. I like the idea of storytelling. Uh, And I like as well the idea of telling stories that are transformative. You know, they are not just something that you listen, it entertains you and you just leave it there, and you you know, and you just go back and do the same thing. Now I want something that it it gives you tools as well that you can implement in your life. Um, And so that was my intention. But then from the intention to the actual realization, there's a leap. It doesn't come that easy um, and, and actually so I, I was in London and I realized that me being in London I would not be able to do that uh, and because I needed some time to really think and just focus on the whole work. And and it's and interesting, so the,
0: the environment of London was, was not, was I could not, that. no I could not. Okay. Why? why?
2: Uh, because of the distraction. Because of the distraction and because this required my absolute attention. Um, yeah, because I would just have been just because I tried, because I, I met the model in April, um, and and I look back because the, the project was in my mind. So I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna do this one, I'm gonna do it, this one, uh, and when I met him, I was like, okay, now I can go, I can go further. Um, but the, I had a sense. So to tell you the whole thing is that the first image that came to me is the image of the Pieta, the the Maryam holding Thomas dead. That's the first image that I had. This came straight. And I was like, okay, now I need to move away to do this work. So I shot that picture in Paris before going to Cameroon. And I went to Cameroon to that picture and I started doing the rest of the work. So then I had, I was basically just mapping the whole thing, saying, so this is the story, this is the structure. And let me tell that story. Let Let me, you know, I was seeing myself as, like if I was telling the story to myself, I moved from the first image to the second one the third one, etc. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, so I, I, I approached it actually in a very initially strategic way because it was very thought out and, uh, and deliberate. Um, but then the shape that it took, uh, I had to let go. And I had to just make decisions and just uh, and make a uh, blunt statement. Because, you know, there's, there's nuances here that in a way they can come across as very simple but they are very complex uh, not complex because they're hard to understand or something like that but it means what i'm trying to what are the things that i'm trying to articulate for example when you see this image in france you will call it um so this is one of the image of the five the five set of images from the first part of the show uh, the miracles uh and let's say we're looking at uh, the one that is education for all And in that image, you see Sankara in a frame. On top of him, you see the the stamp with the face of Sankara, similar to Che Guevara. And you see my fictitious Sankara teaching as a teacher in front of a chalkboard. Uh, And you see tables. And he's basically playing the role of a teacher. Uh, And he's wearing a fabric. uh, And the whole space is built, the whole space is designed with the pattern, so I created the perspective using the pattern, uh, and the frame that is is as well as the pattern, with the same print. And that print de- described one of the policies of Sankara that was the education for all, uh, and the kind of uh, campaign he, and policies he put in place in order to increase the level of literacy in the country, uh, and to make, uh, you know, education more accessible to all. Uh, to all his fellow countrymen um, and this image in france i would describe it as a mise en abîme and a mise en abîme is a literary um description that is an idea that repeats itself on itself on itself on itself on itself okay. on itself uh, and this is very much what is uh, happening here and in the print you see the the people so the burkinabe people uh, enacting the action you know leaving it you know in all of the print that's what you see uh, but in this one But in in this image, you see Sankara as a man of the people, because he's part of the people, he is the people as well, who is doing it himself. So he's showing the way, you know, so it's a collective process. And this is very much what the police was doing. It was was not him on top of the people looking around, looking above and giving them direction. It was him being part of, you know, he was doing it with his hand, basically. I
0: think possibly that's one of the reasons so inspirational and why it's touching because of that you kind of feel that um, he's... I, can't remember, I think he demonstrates that leadership mm-hmm. doesn't have to happen from up on high. Mm-hmm. It has like a high element mm-hmm. and a very grounded element mm-hmm. to it. And
2: actually. he never have shoes yeah, okay. on his feet. I didn't notice that actually. Yeah, he never shoes. For yeah. a while.
0: Um, I think because you mentioned uh, Pan-Africanism and you're... Um, you define yourself as a Pan-Africanist. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also talked about art. I didn't drugs. say that. Did you not say that? I thought you did. I thought you said you your parents were pan
2: Africanist. Yeah. No, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, because actually, I would not. Uh, let's say I'm pan Africanist in the sense that um, I'm proudly African. Um, and in the sense that, uh, you know, I, the, the I have. Let me see. Let me, let me phrase it properly. I'm proudly African in the sense that, you know, I have big hope for the continent, and that I know that some of the challenges and the setbacks the continent experienced in the recent history uh, don't define it, and uh, that there's much more, uh, uh, you know, that the future of the Afri- of the continent sh- could be and should be, and will be much brighter. Um, and so, in that sense, I would say I'm, i yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually pan-Africanist. But, but what I mean, the reason why uh, I will pause on it a bit is because, you know, uh, the way I move is that I realize that it's not about, it's not in opposition to anything. You see what I'm saying? It happens that I'm African, uh, but I love Asian culture. Uh, I love other parts of the world. Uh, and, and because I'm African, I'm better positioned to tell that story. And because I'm African, I have grew up in that story. And I've had the chance and the privilege to experience how. Beautiful it is and how amazing it is, you know. Uh, and so, actually, even for me doing the work on Sankara, and obviously the conversation that Sankara is really speaking about, uh, referred to Spanish-Africanism, but Sankara as well, even was a humanist, you know. So, the way he's rooted into the world is as an African, that's the way that he looks at the world, but he doesn't look at the world from a place of isolation, he looks at the, pl- at the world from a place of, you know, a whole, and we're all in it together. But his responsibility, is to fix the home that he knows better, you know, or to tell the story that are more closer to him, you know, uh, and so I will look at it from that from that perspective.
0: Okay, so as you reviewed I guess there's many definitions of pan-Africanism. So you're just defining that in a particular way. I guess yeah. Okay. Because I think don't understand why you couldn't be a pan-Africanist and love Asian
2: culture. No, 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 no. I but I think I wanted just to to specify because you know there is YouTube pan-Africanist. That that's that. This is just saying So I wanted to specify it. And actually, when I did that, my thinking was that why would Sankara? Why should Sankara only speak to Africans? You know, you have people all over the world. You go to like in any part of the world, in uh, in uh, Afghanistan, in uh, in Turkey, in China, in Russia. People have T-shirt with uh, Che Guevara, and they're not from Cuba, they're not from Bolivia, they have no connection with him, you know, but they're just inspired by the example and the way he lived his life, you know, and the sacrifice that he made. This is an energy that moves them and that inspires them, you know, and I felt that, but Sankara is just the same, if not more. the same thing. And we have to speak about ours, we have to speak about our culture, we have to speak about, uh, you know, the richness of what we are, but to a, to a, in a very localized place, But in a global way as well. The same thing is like you speak about what you are, but you speak about it to everyone uh, because you understand that that conversation deserves to be heard by everybody.
0: And do you feel this work has achieved a local and a global? Yes. I mean, in terms of who's come to see it, your feedback has it has it.
2: Yeah, so I presented the work first time in um, in South Africa and Cape Town, this was in 2017, uh, and then I presented it this year in Senegal during the Dakar Biennale, uh, and now here in London. So this is the first time I presented it in Europe. Uh, but even before I even presented the work, it already had a lot of press. Uh, so it's been, you know, I had an article in the Monde, which is the leading French publication, I had an extensive, um, you know, uh, article on the work. Uh, I had interviews on television, different programs, um, and, and and so so this is in terms of like visibility. But then when I go on the continent, uh, obviously the response is that, you know, you present Sankara in South Africa, um, and I presented it in Cape Town, we presented it in South Africa, and obviously they had their own story with apartheid, and you have leaders like Steve Biko, that they can relate and they identify because similar generation, CBK was killed in the in the 80s. Uh, and Sankara as well, and Sankara was um, a figure that people were looking up for for strength and for reassurance and for, you know. Uh, and so so I had that and I think, but the thing that struck me and I was, you know, it's funny because when you do something like that, you very much do it in your own. Nobody called me upon and say, you know, we need you <laughs> to do something on Thomas Sanka. I'm not from Burkina at the time. I had no connection with the family. Uh, it was really much me one day that I just woke up and said, oh, I want to do something. Just like it was, in a way, it was random. Um, no such thing anyway keep going. No, there's not something as random, but you know, like the, the like, the likeliness of, you know, just, you know, it's like, this is a journey, uh, but it's not like, you know, sometimes when people do projects, is because, there's, there's a, someone called them to do something or there's something that led them me I just woke up one day and say I'm gonna do this and, and then I just kept at it and because I have this fundamental belief that when you start something you finish it this is a life uh, you know mantra uh, and so I started it and I realized that it needed more and I stayed dedicated and I just went so it, the project led me to do more um, and um, and so, yeah, so, but uh, what I was going to say is that, so what was very, um, I think, um, moving, I guess, in a way, when I presented it in South Africa, the fact that some people had teary eyes, you know, uh, and people were, they were moved because, you know, they they they, 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 look at the work and I think they contextualize it, um, and, and they were moved, you know, and had that in, in South Africa, uh, and that in Senegal as well. So I think because, I guess, the spiritual part of it, um, and him, because it's not me actually, it's really just him. Uh, it touched people in a very, you know, because it's real, it's not, you know, it's not like a random exhibition that is about, you know, it's, this is, this is real, and as African, specifically, uh, this is our story, you know, this is our story. Um, and this is a man that sacrificed himself for us, basically.
0: Is that? that was what I was going to ask when we, we were speaking about pan africanism I think both as an African and as a citizen of the world mm-hmm. um, and as an artist, mm-hmm. um, do you feel that that's the role of an artist in this time or one of mm-hmm. the important roles of an mm-hmm. artist in this time to, to make work that has that kind of transformative substance to mm-hmm.
2: it? Is that- yeah, uh, post pers- for me, you know, uh, because, you know, in before moving to art, I was I was in I'm still very much uh, as, as I haven't done project in that field for a while. But as an architect, uh, and what interested me in architecture was the social, the sociological dimension of it, and the fact that you know it was not just to build beautiful building, but it was the people that would be moving into the space. You know, it was the social interaction and the fact that and the way that a space can uh, enhance, uh, you know, obstruct and change the way people come together. Uh, so it was always, my focus was always, always on human interaction. And, and for me to go into art, it's about telling stories. So it's about, uh, and, I like, and I like the idea of stories that can be transformative. Uh, I like stories that can inspire you uh, to, to act in the world in a different way. Uh, To you know, they can make you look at yourself differently, and they can help you. You know, they have kind of they have a transformative uh, dimension to them. Uh, And so, and so for me, I you know, and so for me, I could not do anything else. And actually, as well to go even further, is that the moment because now I'm going back into the mindset that I had at the time. And the reason why I decided I wanted to do something on Thomason, and I wanted to make that shift, is that I realized that I realized that uh, you know my work has a very and because something I studied, actually, because uh, something I studied, I know that I know I have the ability to tell stories in a way that can be very current um, and very appealing. So in a way, that can be very successful. Um, but I realized that the story, the way I was using my skill at the time, I was using it for to tell stories that I didn't believe in, and stories that fundamentally were maybe contrary to my values, that were, you know. To buy bags, and you know, there was not helping you in any anybody definitely. Um, and I felt that Sankara, because of because, because I mean, the men is just you know. I mean, the sacrifice of the men. I mean, the um, you know, the man, It's so fundamental and it's so uh, absolute that I felt that you know, investing myself in a project like that uh, will surely uh, inspire me and will surely allow me to. We orient my life. I didn't know the shape it would take. Obviously, I couldn't know. Uh, but I realised that this was um, this was a journey that I had to to take. Okay.
0: Do you think that the because um, you talked about transformations, um, was there anything special about the fact that it's an actual real life story that mm-hmm. that that has an an impact in that kind of transformative ability, mm-hmm. or do you think that it could you could have made the story up and it would have the same type of mm-hmm
2: it won't have had the same impact. It, it, it won't have had the same impact because when I wanted to talk about him, I think, because it's about faith. You know, it's about faith. And faith is real. And people live by faith. And so it was about really telling the story of a man that lived his life by faith. Uh, and, uh, and if I had made it fictitious, it would have been something fictitious. Um, but the fact that it's real, and, the, and, and, the, and actually when, when people get to hear a story, they don't believe it. Because they're like, no, surely, really, that man existed. He did that. You know, the you same thing. So, because it looks beyond, it looks, uh, uh, you know, what do you say? Um, it looks, it just looks fictitious. Like this is not possible. Uh, and so, so no, it was important. And and as well, I wanted to. And as well, I think when I when I when I actually yeah, what happened is that the moment I fully got to fully appreciate the scale of his sacrifice. Uh, I felt like, you know, in my own and very humble, because now I'm giving you the strategic except I no, there was a sense of in my own and very humble way, I wanted to pay tribute to him, because I felt he deserved it. And I felt like, and I had a sense that, you know, the wife, um, you know, obviously, had, you know, the whole thing they had to live as a refugee, I mean, the whole family suffered, and, you know, uh, because of that. And I felt that, you know, as an African, um, and I have the skills I have, you know. Instead of just waiting for someone to do it and say, "Oh, someone is going to do it," and then I would just sit, I was like, "Okay, I have my skills. Let me use that. Let me use myself to contribute in that direction." But, and I was going to say, I didn't know. Actually, I kind of knew. I kind of knew. I kind of knew that it would take this shape. Yeah, because I was kind of I didn't know. No, because you know, because you know, because I'm, I'm ambitious. So if I do something, I want to do it well, and if I do something, I want it to be impactful. Um, so I, I kind of knew that it will take the shape, but I didn't know I didn't know the journey that will take, and I, I actually I didn't know that it will take it, it would have it would have taken such uh, a definitive because initially I was not planning to go as much in depth. So that's the difference, and this is the thing where I, then myself, trust me, there's things that I, when I was drawing them, I was I was like are, are you really drawing this? <laughs> you know, so when I was drawing this one over there, uh, the 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 drawing, the first one, the temptation okay. with Chantal Compaore, yeah. you know, as the Harlot in the Bible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and when I did the the pact, you know, the the induction of Blaise in the lodge, I was very really questioned myself. Are you really? telling that story um, but you know
0: how did um, I was looking at that because um, I was going to finish but it's prompted a question mm-hmm. about you spoke to people that were I mean either part of the family or connected to the family mm-hmm. people that have been in the struggle for years mm-hmm. how have they received the work?
2: so it's interesting because when I met Miriam so I met her in Cameroon t- when I was doing this work actually so the first time I had not finished so this was in February 2018 early February twenty sixteen. Um, I met her. I didn't tell to I didn't tell her about the show. I didn't tell her because it wasn't done. And because as well, you know, the fact that it's real and the fact that that's the family, that's the husband. The family had to live as with ref- it's real, you know, it's something that is so uh, I was very respectful about that and, and I was very humble about the way that I was moving into this project. And you see what I'm saying, I had this very kind of you know, it's like, I'm doing a project on your husband and here's what I'm doing and, you know, no, I was very, you know, uh, humble and, and respectful in that regard, so I didn't mention it. Um, and it's only when I did, after having done the show in, um, in South Africa, and there was articles and there was, you know, uh, so then I got in contact with one of the brothers, Paul, who lives in the U.S., uh, and re-interacted. But in, I don't think he even, even saw the work. I don't think he even saw the work. Uh, because I sent him some emails, we were speaking on whatsapp. Uh, we had conversation, but I sent him the work and I don't and think he even saw it. but no, to be fair, there was a niece of Sankara who, who was who we saw, saw the article actually a TV interview and she live, she lives in Namibia um, and she was and she was doing a stop in um, and she was doing a stop in Johannesburg is uh, uh, breaking the, <laughs> the setup. And, uh, and she was doing a stop. She was doing a stopover in Johannesburg to go to Namibia, uh, and she knew the show was happening. So she changed the flight to come to Cape Town and see the work and meet me. Uh, so I met her, and she, said, and she 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 was very, you know, she loved it. You know, she, she much loved it, and I know that, you know, even when Aziz saw it, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because in in a way, this is uh, my own interpretation. Of it, um, and and at at some point as well, I just accepted the fact that it's my own interpretation. Uh, and some people maybe when they think about Sankar, they will not think about something like that. Maybe they will think about the struggle. They will think about he was killed. They will think about you know. And and me, I wanted to speak about the faith, and I wanted to speak about I wanted I wanted I, I wanted. There was the, the, uh, there was you know. Sometime when you start a project, you give yourself this um this not criteria but these goal objectives. I wanted to sustain the emotion of the viewer so that it will remain on something higher and I will not be um, uh, impacted by fear. You know, Because when you think, uh, like you were saying earlier, when you tell these stories to your child and that the fact that it's going to think, fuck, wow, you know, maybe this is not the path to follow and I didn't want people to, to get that I wanted to focus on the spirituality You know, when you think about the Christ uh, Christians I mean the, you know, the idea is that you're not focusing on the fact that he was killed you're thinking he did, the, he did the right way he did the right thing uh, and so and so yeah that was the okay. that was the attempt
0: and final question what because we I think probably we both agree on the fact that um, work the idea is to transform and create some sort of action. Mm-hmm. So what actions would you hope to see coming out of more people understanding and connecting with this story? Mm-hmm.
2: I want everybody beyond Africans to be inspired, not but me. It's not about me because I'm very much telling a story. So I want people to study him uh, and to learn about him uh, and to be just like he was saying, you know, the idea that when he died, uh, when I question question, so, hey, but if you're killed, what remains of the revolution? And I want people to understand that they have the key to transform their life and the world. Uh, and so, I, you know, I want, I want this to be, uh, I hope, um, this to be liberate, liberative? liberative. I want this to be, to, to have the effect of liberating people's mind of the way that they see themselves and the way that they understand the impact that they can have on the world. Um, so, yeah, this is the, you
0: know. wow. um, uh, and last in terms of the work itself mm-hmm. what are your next um because you're leaving mm-hmm. this is, it's, it's a shame you're only here for a week mm-hmm. so what are we on today we're on friday you're mm-hmm. leaving on sunday the 14th mm-hmm. so what's next for the um,
2: so the exhibition is going to go in um Addis ababa so in on the 6th on 6th of december so you have the Addis photo festival which is the Biennial uh, Photographic Festival uh, in, in Ethiopia. And it's the leading in West Africa. Um, so the exhibition is going to go there. And so this is going to be the next presentation.
0: So if we we didn't meet, we, we didn't catch it here then we you have to go to, right, we're going to go to we have to go to Ethiopia. Okay, well that's that's, that's a good uh, that's a good place. Yeah, to to <laughs> exactly. If okay, and for people that um, want to connect with you, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them
2: to do? That? So they can find me. So I have a website which is Pierre uh, Dash. You know the little one Dash, right? Yeah. Um, dash. Hyphen,
0: hyphen, is that right? Not the underscore. No, the, the, the yeah,
2: uh, yeah, hyphenet. Yeah. okay. hyphenet Christophe, mm-hmm. like Christopher, but without the R, dot mm-hmm. com. Uh, all they can find me on Instagram is pierre.christophe.gam. Mm-hmm. Gam. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right, Pierre Christophe Gam, thank you very much for your time. It's been like, it was supposed to be short, huh? it's been like an hour. <laughs> so, but it's been an interesting hour. and willing that, um, you know, the people that are listening find it interesting too um for those of you i mean if you listen to this you probably know but um to connect with us decolonize and on instagram and twitter is at de underscore archive thank you very much for listening and thank
2: you very much to you etienne for this conversation it was a pleasure
0: yeah maybe we can do something i'm looking forward to the future <laughs> so um thank you and uh good night <laughs> thank you